I'd like for you to title your notes, uh, When There Is No Way. And uh, I, I don't know if you're in that situation right now. If you are, perfect. You came to the right place because I've got a message for you. If you're not, don't worry about it. Satan is incredibly consistent. He uses the same bag of tricks every time. He's going to come to your life, make you think that there is no way to get out of the situation that you're in. And you can pull your notes out. Boom, you're ready, okay? Uh, Let's dive right into it straight away. Mark chapter 2, verse number 1 reads like this. And again, he, speaking of Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive him, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Later on in that passage, he actually healed the paralytic. Now, uh, what I want to do is I just want to kind of take the next few minutes. I don't plan on speaking long tonight. uh, But I want to just take that passage and and just zoom out a little bit and look at it from a panoramic view. One of my favorite things to do with the Bible is to to pretend uh, that uh, I am actually in the scene. Uh, to try to see uh, what, what's taken, taken place and to kind of pretend that I'm a choreographer and I'm looking at the people in the scene to see what's going on. Uh, the main character is, is obviously Jesus and his ministry has just started. He's 30 years old. His whole ministry was only three years. Uh, he was crucified when he was 33 He started his ministry when he was 30. Uh, His ministry has just started at this point. Uh, He had just been baptized by John the Baptist. Uh, Right after that, he went to the wilderness and he was tested by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. After that, he came down. He had earned his stripes. You don't earn your stripes until you have to go toe-to-toe with Satan himself. Everyone has to earn their stripes. You know, uh, my, uh, my wife and I were talking with our director of ministries, uh, Sarah Stevens, uh, a couple weeks ago, and there was uh, somebody new to our church, and, and this person was just full of energy, has just gotten saved, uh, just gave their life to the Lord. Um, and when you just give your life to God, uh, you are oftentimes on fire because you have just realized that you've been living your whole life without 
the influence of God in your life. And then when you find that out, that, oh my goodness, God not, doesn't not only just exist, but he can live inside of me and live through me. This is awesome. How many of you remember that first day? It's like, boom. It's like you, you've been living your whole life uh, running in mud, right? And now you've got a person that created the whole universe running with you. And all of a sudden it just feels like you're running on a treadmill. And when tough times come, you have this creator of the universe to lean on. But Allie and I were talking, uh, and my wife and, and Sarah were talking about, and this person just got saved, and this person was ready to do everything in the church. You want me to mop, I'll mop. You want me to sing, I'll sing. They were ready to take your job, Isaiah. They, just on fire, ready to start Bible studies, ready to do, just go on, God is good. And, and I remember saying to Sarah, hey, let's just hold on a few weeks. Let them earn their stripes. It's only going to take a few weeks. We, you, and I told Sarah, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to do anything. Satan's going to take care of all of that for us. Satan's going to ring the doorbell and just rattle the cages. Right? Now, let's see how they respond. Let's see how they respond. And, and, and sure enough... Uh, we can't find that person right now. We don't know where they're at. It's just amazing how you can go uh, from being on fire and then you have your first intense altercation and then we can't find that person. And we're looking. We're looking. We want to find that person. Pull them back into the fold and strengthen them and encourage them. Just say, hey, look, this is what fighting is all about. This is it. Jesus had to do it. We got to do it. Everybody's got to do it. Don't be discouraged. Pull your bootstraps up. Let's go. You don't have to have Isaiah's job. Isaiah's doing a good job. You don't have to clean the toilets. We got a janitor. You don't have to do everything in the whole world. Just find your pace. Find your rhythm. Right? Just, just stay steady. This is a marathon here. Uh, Jesus had to earn his stripes. And uh, it, Jesus went from the level of just being a son and taking care of the family's business. And his life went to another level, a whole new responsibility. And you don't get to have more influence without earning it. You don't get to go to the next grade before you take a final. You, you got to take a test. Some of you say, well, God's not speaking to me. Teachers don't talk while you're taking a test. You know what I'm saying? When God created the world, he said, let there be stars, let there be moon, let there be this, let there be that, let there be this, let there be that. And then all of a sudden he stops talking. But Adam was being formed. So when God is not speaking, he's forming. 
but don't think he's not doing anything. He's either creating by speaking, but when he's silent, he's forming. But don't think he's not doing anything. He's always doing something. So that was all free. We're going to get into the text now. (laughs) So he comes down and he's picked up a few disciples. And uh, he's in Peter's house. Now you can't walk into a town and start healing people without word traveling very, very quickly. Word is traveling fast. People are talking. I mean, there's always one gossip in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? It's like you don't have to invest into TV marketing and radio if you got Miss Bonnie down the street. Just go tell Miss Bonnie. She'll take care of everything. Well, Miss Bonnie must have saw Jesus heal somebody because the whole town shows up to Peter's house. Jesus is spending the night at Peter's house. How cool would that be? Jesus, you want to crash at my house? I mean, like you created the world, but as of right now, you need a bed, and I got one. (laughs) So he... He's crashing at Jesus' house and people start showing up to the house. Peter is having dinner with Jesus. There's a knock at the door. Sorry, Jesus, hold on. He opens up the door and there's somebody that wants to be healed. And then someone else comes and then someone else comes and then someone else comes. Someone else comes and the whole house is packed with people. The Bible says all the way to the door. So imagine Jesus is in the living room, the whole living room is packed, the bedroom is packed, the hallway is packed, all the way to the door. People are outside of the door and down in the town somewhere, um, there's a group of guys that say, hey, uh, let's go get Jason. Let's go get Jason and and let's bring Jason to Jesus. Uh, I I used to have... um, a friend of mine, his name was Keith, he had muscular dystrophy. And I wanted so bad as a kid for him to be healed. I prayed all the time that he would be healed. Uh, his, his ankles were turned in, his hands were bent in. He was in a wheelchair from the time he was two all the way uh, through. Uh, and I, I put myself in these young men. Uh, I put myself in their shoes and I think to myself, if I were them, I would have thought of Keith. Uh, But they thought of their friend. They said, let's go get him. So they go down and they get their buddy who's a paraplegic. And they, they wrap him up in some type of a bed. Now it says bed, but when I think of this, I think of more of a hammock. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you, I don't know if anyone here has ever done this, but I remember Keith's mom would pick him up because she was a single mother, would pick up Keith, and Keith was 17 years old, but he had muscular dystrophy. And so she would pick him up every time he needed to get out of bed, take a shower, pick him up, put him in the wheelchair, pick him up, put him on the bed. And this is a mother picking up a 17-year-old. You pick up a grown man, it's not easy. And now we're picking, we're not talking about a headache here. We're talking about somebody who's paralyzed. So if you're taking notes, 
Uh, I'd like for you to write this down. Point number one is this. Big trouble. When, when, when there seems to be no way, God wants the big stuff. The big stuff. What is so big that you can't fix it? That's what Jesus wants. Man, I just feel the Holy Spirit so strong right now. Because I just feel like I just connected with 75% of this room. Just like that. I just felt it right in my heart. That there's just an issue. It is so big. It consumes your life. And you can't fix it. It consumes your life. Man, I could almost just stop preaching right here. You just needed somebody to tell you Jesus wants the big stuff. The big stuff. Some of you are so faithful. You've been following the Lord for so long and you think, I've been bringing him the big stuff. I want to tell you, keep bringing him the big stuff. Don't, don't like go down the list and bring him little stuff so that you can rebuild your confidence. No, no, no. The Bible says, keep on knocking. I got big stuff. I got big stuff. There might have been people at Peter's house like, Jesus, I've had this bad headache all day long. No, I got somebody who's paralyzed. Big stuff. I'm talking marriages that cannot be put together. I'm talking about sicknesses that the doctor said you're just going to have to go ahead and rest with that. That's just what you're going to have to fight for the rest of your life. I'm talking about big stuff. When you are in the hole, thousands of dollars, you owe thousands of dollars on your credit card bill. Thousands. And the amount of money you're bringing in right now is barely enough to cover your monthly expenses, much less take out the thousands of dollar credit card bill. That's just crazy to imagine that. Let me just say a sidebar on that. What I want you to just do and encourage you to do if I just spoke to you. You just go to God and you say, I am sorry, Father, that I put myself in this much debt. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. Credit card debt is buying things that you haven't earned yet. You go to God and you say, I'm sorry. Say, I'm going to need you to help me get out of this. And if you can help me get out of this, not only will I not put myself in this situation again, but I will testify that you did the impossible. Bring him the big stuff. The big stuff. So they just say, hey, let's bring him the big stuff. Let's go get Jason. 
Let's go do it. How are we going to do it? We're going to have to carry him over there. And so then they go to Jason's house. Point number two is this big hope. When I started thinking about this scene, again, as a choreographer, I'm thinking, you got four guys lifting up a grown man and, and probably a little bit more than a bed sheet. Now, how long can you carry a grown man? How long can you do that? You're carrying a grown man in a, in a little bit more than a bed sheet. That's not easy. I've run a few marathons before. I'm not, I wouldn't tell you how long it took me because I'm not that fast. But the fact of the matter is I finished and I go to sleep with my medal on. So there you go. <laughs> it's uncomfortable, but you get used to it after a while. <laughs> I've told myself that too during the race. I'm going to sleep with this medal on. But the, the easiest part of the race, outside of the beginning, that's always fun. Everyone's taking pictures. The easiest part of the race, I'm going to skip all the drudgery in the middle, but the easiest part of the race is when you take a corner and every race has this corner where you can hear the crowd. <laughs> you can, I, I've started crying before. I'm just telling you, I've started crying. I hear them and it's like, just coming down. And you find the energy because you know you're almost there. You just find it. I see these guys carrying this grown man and wanting to stop, rest, put him down. You can't go back at this point. You can't be like, Jason, I didn't know you were going to be this heavy. We're going to have to take you home. Sometimes you're just too deep. You know what I mean? You're too deep in this thing. You're so deep you can't get out now. There once was a time where you could get out, but you walked down the aisle and said, I do. Now you can't get out. Why do you think the, pa- the preacher said, through sickness and in death, till death do your part? Are you sure? The preacher tries to talk you out of it. For richer or for poorer, I do. Okie dokie. Now you're in. You know, if you want to get married at celebration, you got to go to marriage counseling with Pastor James Allen. He's sitting right here on the one, two, three, four, fifth row. Pastor James, why don't you just stand up right there? I, I'm, I'm sending, I send Pastor James, everybody who wants to come to marriage counseling, I send them to Pastor James. I always go, so you've been, how long have you been doing it? 30 years? My goodness. It's a long time. I, I don't think I've done anything for 30 years straight. I've slept consistently outside of that. I haven't done anything for 30 years straight. For 30 years, and, and the guy, a guy called me today. I'm going to send him to you. I'm going to change his name. Uh, to John. He called me today and said, I'm getting married. And I already know he's known her for seven months. So I said, 
I'm sure God told you to marry her. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. That God, oh, every time somebody wants to get married faster than other people think they should get married, here comes that God card. Kaboom! You can't argue with that. What are you going to do with that? You can't argue with that. I said, I just said, hey, you know what? I know, before you even say one word, I know God told you to get married. Uh, Yep. All right. The only thing I'm asking you to do is to go see Pastor James. That's all I'm asking you to do. You have premarital counseling. He's going to meet with you three times and you're done. And if it's God's will, nothing can stop this thing. James's job, try to talk him out of it. <laughs> Are you sure you want to do this? Let's talk about this. That's what premarital counseling is. It's to say, you can't kiss for the next three hours. Now what are we going to do? <laughs> when you're engaged, that's all you really know how to do. We're going to talk about money. We're going to, one of my favorite questions that James asks is, he goes, sir, how many times do you plan on having sex once you get married? And he always says like 90. And the, one, the girl's like, what? And then James just grabs popcorn. Y'all go ahead and talk. 90 times a week is what I plan. Oh, Really? Why don't y'all just talk about that just for a second? I'm just going to sit here and eat my popcorn. <laughs> talk about it. But once you say yes, you said yes. You can't, you're, you're in it now. You've already quit the other job. You're now working for the new job. They've already hired. You can't go back now. You're in it. They're carrying Jason. <laughs> Carrying a grown man. They're exhausted. They know this job can only be done by God. And now the only thing that's carrying them is hope. Big hope. Hope, the definition of hope is having an expectancy for the future. Now, if you don't have a high expectancy for the future, it's very difficult to carry what you're carrying because you feel like, man, I'm preaching good tonight. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like if nobody's getting anything out of this, I'm preaching a mess out of this for me. This is my message. Those of you that are here in this room, you're just listening. I'm preaching to me. Okay, when you're when you're carrying something and and you if you are in a season, you're carrying what you're carrying, but you don't have this expectancy, this high expectation for the future. That means you have no hope. And Jesus says or the, God says this in the Bible in Jeremiah 29, 11, I will give you a future and a hope. In other words, I'm going to give you a future and you're going to look forward to it. Amen. And so whenever we are carrying our Jason or carrying, and, and, and 
we don't, man, my life stinks and it's not getting any better. That's when we back up and go, God, I'm bringing you the big stuff, number one. And number two, I need some hope. You're going to have to give me an expectancy, a, a heightened expectancy for the future. Because when I look to the future, the only thing that I can see is more of the same. And that stinks. Somebody just needs to fake the fact Pretend just for a minute that you grew up in a Southern Baptist church just for a second and just give me a well. Thank you. I know you're faking it because it didn't sound very good. <laughs> if you were raised in a Baptist church, you would well, and I would be running around this place. But thank you. Thank you. That was not Isaiah. That was not Isaiah. Thank you. I need more of that. See, we're going to have, you know, you don't mess around and call your church celebration church and then not have fun. Now you got the big test. They come running up and the plan is to bring Jason to Jesus. Now don't go home and Google Jason. Jason's not in the Bible. They didn't name this guy. I'm naming him. I'm the choreographer for today. I named him Jason. Point number three is the big test. So they run over. They're going to bring Jason to Jesus. But that's plan A. How many of you have lived enough life to realize plan A, you may as well just go straight to plan B. As soon as you write down plan A, crumple it up, throw it away, because it's not going to work. Just throw it away. Just like when you start a new project, just say point number two. Just go straight to two. You know what I mean? All right, we got plan B, C, and D. Just skip plan A. Just forget. Plan A is never going to work. Just go straight to plan B. So plan A is to take Jason and bring him to Jesus. Just knock on the door, open the door. Pete, need to see Jesus. That's not going to happen. So now what do you do? What do you do when the plan doesn't work? Well, we got options. We can go, Jason, sorry, dude. We're just going to have to live with this. I thought Jesus was going to come through. He's not coming through. Just going to have to live with this. What do you do when Jesus is not available in the way that you were expecting him? I thought Jesus was going to, I thought he 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 was going to. You're going to hit that point. I thought he was going to. You're going to say that. The big test. Now, what do you do then? I thought he was gonna. Now we got options, and this is where you earn your stripes, baby. This is where you earn your stripes. Point number four is the big fight. Now, the fight for you and I, it looks different than their fight. But let me just describe their fight. All right, Jason, how bad do you want it? That is such a good question. 
Sometimes when I'm praying, I'm kind of done praying. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, I'm done. And then I'll ask myself, Frankie, how bad do you want it? Oh, geez. Maybe I'm not quite done. And I'll keep on praying. And I'm like, okay, I'm done now. I'm, I'm going to go in. How bad do you want it? Well, I don't I think I'm going to knock a little bit longer. I'm going to knock a little bit longer. I'm going to bang a little bit longer. I'm going to ask a little bit more. See, sometimes you don't have it because you haven't asked for it. There are blessings that you get without asking. Everybody go like this. <sighs> See, you just got one. You didn't ask for that. All right, I'm about to breathe. I'm going to need you to pull through here. One, two. <gasps> you didn't ask for that. Did you pray for the shirt that you have on your back? Did you say, dear God, I need a blue shirt. Please, God, give me a... You know I didn't pray for this one. <laughs> God, <laughs> God just gave you that shirt. Gave you those clothes. There's some things, though, you will not get unless you ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. So you better ask. So now you got the big test. What are you going to do? How bad do you want it? They look at Jason. How bad do you want it? There's only one way in. That's to go on the roof. Seriously, dude? Seriously. Roof in. I remember when the Rockets won the championship. I don't know, 96 or something like that. I went downtown to the parade. I could not see anything but the backs of people's head that I did not want to see. There was mil- Were you down there, anyone? Were you down there? You were down there, Kathy? Yes! Well, the guy that was standing on the do not, on the walk sign, the crosswalk sign, that was me. <laughs> that was me. You know, the do not walk, walk, you press the button. That was the only way I could see Vernon Maxwell and Otis Thorpe. And all those guys. Was Otis Thorpe a part of the crew? I can't remember if he got a ring or not. But I climbed up that thing. I'm, I'm going to see these guys. Now, this is... The, the Bible says that they broke through the roof. Man, sometimes you just got to bang at it until you break through. Now, because that would preach, I'm not going to go there. You got to break through. Now, here's the big enchilada. Uh, Peter, this is Peter's house. Now we're thinking uh, as if we were there. Imagine it's your house. All these people are in your house. Miracles are happening in your house. Get off the seat, get off the couch. This isn't your house. Get, do you put your feet on the furniture? Come on, get your feet up. My wife is going to kill me, guys. The place is packed. Jesus is healing people. Jesus just healed Peter's mother-in-law. And he's probably thinking, did we have to heal that one? <laughs> just kidding. I actually like my mother-in-law, but mother-in-laws are so such an easy target. Uh, but anyway, so he just healed the mother. So G- Peter, this is what I love, is seeing miracles. 
He's in a church service. Jesus is preaching. Miracles are happening. And his spirit man is strong and his flesh is weak, if not dead. Because when you're in church, your spirit is like... And all the ugly, nasty stuff about you, it's like... Do you know what I mean? But then he starts hearing this... Drywalls falling in his hair. What in the world? Chandelier is shaking. Come on, put yourself there. What in the world? What? And all of a sudden you see this hand. Hey, you know you didn't. Now, here's my question that I'm going to ask Peter when I get to heaven. How long did it take for that flesh to wake back up? (laughs) How long did it take to be going like, thank you, Jesus, thank you? Oh, no. Uh Uh-uh. No. Jesus, don't look at me right now. You're not, don't even look at me. You, You know how long it took me to build that roof, my God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, you come down here. There's gonna be two people in that bed by the time. <laughs> How long did it take? So down comes the bed. I wish I could have been staring at Peter. You couldn't wait your turn. You couldn't grab a number off the wall and wait for your number to be called. No, I can't wait my turn. And I tell you what, sometimes you got to pray like that. You know what I prayed yesterday? I said, God, I know you know all my days. And you have a cert- you know how intimate you have planned, you know the level of intimacy you have planned for us before I was born. I'm asking you to go back to the plan that you have set. And crumple it up and make a new plan with deeper intimacy. And I want that. And I don't want to wait my turn. If there's certain, a certain level of intimacy that I'm supposed to hit when I turn 62, I, don't, I want it right now. Are you with me? I don't want to stand in line. And and wait time. See, God doesn't do time. He doesn't do time. You know how we know he doesn't do time? God doesn't like time. He's impatient. He doesn't do time. You know how I know that? Because the wine that he made at the wedding was the best wine. The only way that you can have awesome wine is if it has been fermented for many years. You go to a restaurant and say, yes, give me the wine. Ooh, that's a 1961 wine. Jeez, I don't know if we should open that. Well, I can give you the 2014 bottle. It was just made a couple months ago. Or I can give you the one that's been sitting here for 30 years. Ooh, you know that's going to be the better wine. 
So God made new wine, but it had been fermented in a second. Come on, man. That's kind of like a big deal. When we pray, God, I need you to do that same miracle, the first one that you did. I need you to do that again and just skip time. Just boom. So they come down. Now this is my favorite part and this is the last part. After we have done all of these things in this season where we don't know what to do, this is the biggest part. They take Jason and the Bible says, They lay him down before him. They lay him down. This is is the big moment. We've had the big test. But this point right here is probably as difficult as all the first four put together. Because once you get into the presence of God, can you lay it down? Laying it down means I've done all I can do. And whatever you decide to do is okay with me. You can tell if it's okay with you By the way you talk. Just listen to yourself talk. Just listen to yourself talk. You can just tell if you have really laid it down and if you're really okay. They laid it down. Just listen to yourself talk. And if you're not sure... Ask somebody, hey, help me out. Have I laid this down? Sometimes we're like secretariat. (laughs) You know that horse, secretariat, a racehorse? You're running so hard, but you can't run hard if you don't have blinders on as a horse. But we're not horses. We, we, don't, we shouldn't put blinders on while we run. But sometimes we have put blinders on and we think we've laid it down and we haven't laid it down. We got to ask somebody, hey, have I laid it down? And whatever they tell you, your response will say a lot too. No, man. You haven't laid it down. Oh, yes, I have. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Why don't you go ask somebody else? Lay it down. I, Lord, I've brought you the biggest thing. I have fought and I've prayed for hope while I ran. It was hard. And Lord, I don't know what to do now. This is all you. And this is the key. You're my God and I'm going to serve you and I'm going to worship you. 
This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. Go ahead and throw me in the fire. And if I die, he's still God. If I burn, he's still God. But I believe I won't. That's faith. They took him and threw him in the fire. Stephen, the exact opposite happened to him. He's preaching Jesus. Someone throws a rock at his head. More rocks, more rocks, more rocks, more rocks, more rocks. He dies. Sometimes God steps in. Sometimes he doesn't. But what do we do? We lay it down. You're my savior and you're my God. I'm going to bring you the big stuff and I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to go right back to serving you and worshiping you. 